Welcome to the Executive Security Podcast, where we talk to CISOs and other leaders in cybersecurity about careers in this industry, specifically how to get into it and how to advance. My name is Gene Fay, the CEO of ThreadX, an API and application security company, and the host of the Executive Security Podcast. Today, we are joined by Masha Sadova, co-founder and president of Elevate Security. Masha, how are you today? Gene, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's wonderful to be here. I'm doing great. Well, we're excited. And uh, we were just talking about the weather as we, we lit up our microphones. And Masha has better weather than me because I'm in New England and she's on the West Coast. So I'm jealous. Well, we have but... to pay higher tax rates for the weather. That's, <laughs> that's how the deal works. Exactly. Well, hey, let's just jump into it a little bit. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got into this crazy field of cybersecurity? You know, I'm one of the few people that knew from a pretty young age before cybersecurity was cybersecurity that I really wanted to get into it. And I remember the moment I was still a freshman in high school and I heard a radio, like a radio advertisement, I think it was funded by the government around wanting more cybersecurity specialists and join this program. I don't remember what the program was, but I remember thinking, what is the cybersecurity thing? But at the time, that wasn't something you could study. There wasn't yeah. really, there wasn't a degree or certification in the space. So I got a degree in computer science, a lot of focus in mathematics. And even then I was gravitating towards things like number theory, which is the mm. foundations of cryptography. So yeah. I was always kind of curious and drawn to it. And it wasn't until I found a pretty niche program, I went to something called CyberCore. It's it's a program that's still around actually where they'll pay for the last two years of undergrad or two years of a master's program in exchange for two years of working for the government, um, yeah. ultimately trying to get folks into cybersecurity work. Wow. Yeah, and so it drew me in. I, got, I started cutting my teeth working as a cyber analyst and it was, no regrets whatsoever about it. Yeah, that's fantastic. And now you, for actually five plus years, you co-founded Elevate Security. And what do you guys do at Elevate Security? Yeah, so Elevate Security is a platform that helps measure and manage human risk. So human risk is the largest unsolved problem in security. 82% of breaches are due to human error. So what we help do is quantify risky users, essentially the careless ones in your employee in your workforce. I'm and raising my hand right now for those <laughs> listeners. That's yeah, about eight so percent <laughs> of a population. That'll cause about eighty percent of incidents. That's what mm-hmm. we're seeing, and it helps you measure them and also provide what I affectionately call bubble wrapping, targeted feedback, highly thoughtful controls that helps secure the organization, but also works with the employee and their level of risk. Yeah, I think it's uh, such a massive problem because uh, we as users are not trained in cybersecurity. You know, I've been for cybersecurity companies, so I have some, I have no excuse, but the rest of the users just want to just go about their day. And, and but we've got to make them cyber aware because the, the bad guys get smarter every day. You know, I have a lot of thoughts on this and maybe that's a whole different podcast, but, <laughs> you know, we don't ask every one of our, the people in our organizations to be excellent accountants or excellent mm. at sales. And yet there's a certain level of responsibility that we've pushed back onto the employees asking them to be cyber aware. And while there is a portion of it that is the responsibility of an employee and part of, partially digital citizen, I think we need to take a little bit more ownership and security, be able to make more user-friendly security forward choices that help employees, help the help the population be safer without having to understand the level of security depth that we have. Today. Yeah, well said. And I think it's that old uh, 
bolted on or baked in and uh, who's responsible for the baking in piece of it? Is it the user or the person that's developing the app? But uh, to your point, we could digress and bore some people and really intrigue others, but we'll stay on our questions for today, which is helping people join the fight. So you told us that you love cybersecurity because it connects two unrelated passions. And what do you mean by that? Yeah. So I'd love to just start with a story and tell you how I got to founding the Elevate Security Company and and how I realized sort of my own expertise in the space. I remember when I initially joined Salesforce and I initially joined as uh, the director of insider threat there, looking around at all of my peers and I felt like I was totally out of place. Hmm. Felt like all these people had expertise in network architecture and log analysis and incident response. And these were not areas that I had focused in for my own you know, education and my own experience. And I had a very hard case of imposter syndrome. But one thing I noticed and that I couldn't get out of my head was we were constantly cleaning up incidents related to employees, right? Mm-hmm. There was always an employee, it was often causing something and we're <laughs> and I remember looking around what are we doing about that and no one seemed to notice this problem no one seemed to care about it everyone was like let's look at the logs let's you be- create better network architecture and I couldn't help see this problem that was obvious to me and I desperately wanted to solve it and so I kept I raised my hand and said can I please take on what it was then called awareness and training which mm. is a very I'd say narrow way of thinking about a much uh, broader problem set. And the CISO, who's my boss at the time, said, sure, if you if you want it, it's yours. And I remember losing sleep thinking about this problem. It's like, well, how do I get people to want to do security? You know, we're treating everyone the same. How do I get metrics into this? And I started going really deep into a whole what ended up being a whole different space, which I've later come to discover is the field of behavioral science. Mm. And behavioral science is the study of how and why we make decisions as a whole, not security. Yeah. But I remember my questions around security led me to the second love of mine, which is behavioral science and understanding what motivates us, what intrigues us, why do we do the things we do? And I started applying it to security. And the intersection of these two fields was revolutionary, both in security, but also for my career. It became one of my personal brands, one of the things I spent a lot of time researching. I got, they gave me the opportunity to do a lot of speaking on stage and conferences and really innovating in the space. And I remember thinking, I'm so glad I followed this instinct that I can see these two dots that need connecting that no one else wants. And so it is one of the things that lights me up the thing that I love about cybersecurity specifically is that there's so many dots that are not connected right. and that need connecting. Yeah. And it needs people who come in from different backgrounds who say, how can you not see this? And we can't, yeah. the thing is we can't, we can't see it because we don't come in with the same background that you will have coming into it. And it will be obvious and intrinsic for you. And it is not for us. And it is the kind of innovation that this industry really needs. Yeah. I love that story because I, when I talk to employees that join the company, I'm like, don't lose your newness. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, no, you have a view of the world that we don't have because we're dealing with problems. We've been dealing with problems. I've been here three years. We've been around for eight years. There's certain things that we do and we just do. And it takes that new person to walk in and go, hey, did you ever think about not doing that and doing it? Like, no, we never thought about that. Or when I think about your environment, you're dealing with these guys who are doing incident response and they're just closing tickets, man. They're just closing tickets. That's their job. And your ability to step back and go, well, no, but like, 
why are there tickets? Don't you know, don't worry about how fast you close, but why are they there? Like, what's the why in that? So that's really cool. I love that. Yeah. And some of the best people I know uh, in security came from a background of history and yeah. philosophy. I mean, those are the two that actually come up quite a bit. Yeah. So legal, but there's really very few direct paths into security. Yeah. Uh, and that's really to our advantage. Yeah. So we've seen a lot of musicians, a lot of CISOs are musicians, so, which is a kind of an interesting the uh, kind of analogy of the level of creativity that it takes to solve these complex problems that these pesky hackers keep giving us to us day in and day out. So let's jump to like, you and I both agree that as a field, we've just got to do a better job of marketing careers in cybersecurity. Can you share your thoughts on what you think we can do to improve that? Yeah, I feel like cybersecurity suffers a very big brand and image problem. Mm. When I think cybersecurity, or when I say cybersecurity, many people will think about a hacker in a basement with a hoodie, lights off, right. a matrix, background scrolling on, on, on their background. And maybe that's where the industry started 30 years ago, but that's absolutely not where we are now. And right. if you are mission-driven, if you're interested in helping the underdog, the mom and pops who really have, have a mom and pop shop who've spent their entire life building up the shop and their savings, and they need help defending their their small nest egg from a cyber attack and having that stolen, this is the job for you. There are so yeah. many people who really need to understand and be protected. We talked about this earlier, like about whose responsibility is it to take on cybersecurity? And it's an incredible opportunity to help millions of people stay safe online, protect their information, protect really a lot of their funds and their retirement, which is core to their entire life, right? Their ability right. to take vacation, their ability to retire early. And it's so confusing and foreign to so many people. The ability to step into cybersecurity really helps you do that. And while many cybersecurity jobs are part of large organizations, the organizations themselves also stand for like the banks you might protect right you're protecting money of individuals right whose money is in that bank account so it really is a very mission driven high impact uh, role that also back to the point we we're also saying earlier has so much green space right it's yeah. a, it's one of the youngest and most powerful industries which is a very weird dichotomy right so we've had finance roles for centuries at this point. Right. But cybersecurity as a whole industry has been around just for three decades. It's yes. so new. It's so new. And that's wonderful. It means we have so much to discover, to unpack, especially as we have new technologies rolling out and AI. There is no two days that are the same in this industry. Yes. And if that excites you, you should absolutely consider a career here. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that I think about as we as hiring managers, and it's not just the marketing, which is a, a big part of it. We need to encourage more people to do it, but but equally resetting our expectations, the people that are out there. Uh, we just recently, we had an entry-level position. I've talked about this in some of the other podcasts, but we had an entry-level position and we're 55 people and we get 4,000 applicants for an entry-level job. And it states no experience necessary. You know, so it's like, so there's 4,000 people, we're only going to hire one. So there's 3,999 people that are looking for jobs in our field. And I, when I talk with CISOs and other executives, a lot of times we say, yeah, we can't find the right people. And it's like, well, are we asking the right questions and or have we set the bar so high that we want entry level, but we want, you know, three to five years of uh, 
even IT experience can be an overwhelming hurdle for some people to get into our industry. That's right. And many people I know who started in this industry started because they had someone to shadow, someone who mentored mm -hmm. them, someone who took a chance on them. Oh, yeah. I do recommend, and a lot of people I know started in a SOC, an incident response team, and it's not a bad place, even that's if that's not a place you want to actually evolve to. That's sort of the boiler room of security, right? That's where yeah. everything gets cleaned <laughs> up. And it is a good place to start to at least get a little bit of exposure. They've done a little bit of a better job at sort of the apprenticeship kind of uh, focus before moving into other parts of security. But I agree. I don't think we've done a really great job at sort of the, you know, how do you get started? And there are two main industries, government and financial services that and banks that I have seen do the best job uh, mm -hmm. around this part of it is because of the scale of what they've had to do. Yeah. Probably not a surprise. My, my own career started in the government space and, yeah. and someone similarly took a chance on me. But those are the two areas where I've seen sort of the easiest entry point in. It's not to say it's impossible, but they definitely no. have just more opportunities in, in those places. I think that's great guidance for our listeners. You know, th when you're thinking about looking for that job, the federal government, the state governments, even local towns have open positions. And uh, there's such a need that you'll find people are, are willing to take a broader, you know, quote unquote, risk on somebody who maybe doesn't have n number of years of experience. That's great guidance. And well, our last question is one that I've got a lot of passion. I know you do. And, and that is, you know, you think that networking is a superpower. And I do 100% agree with you. So What's something our listeners that are looking to get into cybersecurity can do today to really ramp up their networking game? Yeah, absolutely. So I want to just explain why I think it's a superpower. If I were to go back in time as a founder of a company, not just security, but a founder of a company in general, the one skill I would have told my earlier self to have, unfortunately I did, but I, it was it was more accidental than, than on purpose, right. was, was a network. Yeah. Because you'll never be able to tackle all the problems that are going to be sent your way. But right. what you can do is reach out to your network and say, hey, has someone mm -hmm. recently solved this problem? And I bet you someone has. Right. So could you just hop on a call and help me sort of think through it or solve it? And we talk a lot about mentorship and finding a mentor. And a mentor sort of is sort of this long game. And while that's helpful, what I find is really much more valuable, at least it's been in my career, is mentors for a period of time, which as it turns out, is my network, right? So yeah. I have a mentor for a particular problem, right? Mm -hmm. And then we work on that problem and then we go on and, and if and maybe there are ongoing problems and, and issues I'm solving and then I can work oh. with that individual over a period of time. Those folks have been really instrumental in my own growth and career, both as a security professional and also as a founder. But the way that you grow your network, I mean, first of all, you have to get out there, right? You, yeah. like people have to know like who you are, what you're interested in. I highly recommend if you can think about a speaking opportunity, think mm. about publishing a blog, finding your voice. And that's one of the fastest ways to get your, your name out there. And maybe you're not quite there in your career. I understand we're talking to folks who are just getting into it, but think about maybe you can get to an earlier place in your career than you might have initially thought about. But I remember the first person who encouraged me to go speak. And in speaking at a local, super local ISACA chapter, Right, about some of the work I was doing, people got to understand who I was and they mm -hmm. would come up to me and say, hey, let's collaborate. Or I would reach out to people as well. So that's just one thing for maybe sort of the next step, but a place to start, you know, find things that you're interested in, parts of security that, that, are, that you're interested in gravitating towards and just reach out on LinkedIn. That's really where most of us professionally live 
and ask someone for the opportunity for a virtual coffee, right? Or take them mm -hmm. out for a real coffee if you can. Yeah. The answer to that isn't, hey, I'm just going to sit on this other side and I need you to just tell me. One of my favorite quotes on this topic is by Ann Johnson, and she said, participate in your own rescue. Mm -hmm. You have to come to the table with an agenda. Have an ownership and a drive around where you want to go and be very bold, like ask for things. Ask for reviews on maybe a paper you're submitting or help with a job application or practice an interview, but something that you're working on, ask for it. And you'll find that many people are really interested in finding and helping folks get into security. Awesome. But you have to come to the table with ideas, right? Yeah. And what people who are experienced and are interested in mentoring are also looking for is passion and drive on the other end, because we want to invest our time and our energy into the people who it'll pay off. And so yeah. come to the table with that already visible, because that'll get you so far. Well said. And I, I just agree with you and hope our, our listeners really heard exactly what you said. And I, I think about just a story that has nothing to do with cybersecurity with my daughter, who's uh, working for KPMG in the process of becoming a CPA. And she had a really difficult client. She's a pretty introverted person at some levels, but uh, she just did an unbelievable job when she joined KPMG of just meeting so many people, right? Really getting out of her comfort zone of just meeting so many people. And when she came into this difficult situation, with a client, she had a whole you know list of people that she could call, whether to empathize with or to like, oh, I've seen this before, or somebody a little more experienced. Like that power of building the network before you need it uh, is, is a piece of it. That's one thing. And then the second one that I absolutely agree is the person that's looking to be mentored has to own it because we're busy. Like I want to help 30 people get jobs every year, not including the people that we hire. It's written down in my goals, in my wallet. I try to do it every day. But if somebody sits in front of me and says, hey, I want to get a job, I'm like, well, okay, what do you want to do? I don't know. Like, I don't have hours of my life today to figure out every little detail. Now, I'm glad to have a conversation. I'll keep going. But first, somebody who goes, look, I think I want to get into cybersecurity. I don't necessarily know what that means. And I've done some research and I've listened to the podcast and I've, I've gone to hack the box or elevate or something. And I'm just, you know, okay, now I've got somebody like I, I see they've got passion. They're headed in a direction I want to pour some more gasoline and help accelerate that, right? So it's to your point, if they own it, we're more than willing to invest. That's exactly. And I, I'm really inspired by your 30 goal. I, I might <laughs> steal that and put it into my wallet. Please, it's absolutely. Wonderful. People say, why do you do it? I said, it's in it for me. Like, I feel good, right? It's, yes, I'm helping somebody else, but it's a selfish reason to do it. Like, I want to help other people because it makes me feel good. Yeah. I don't know if it's true, but people did it for me and it's a concept of yes. pay it forward. And that's, yeah. I think it's an important thing to, if you're on the other end thing, you know, I can't I feel nervous about asking that yeah. of somebody or asking someone their time or asking someone yeah. that help. Know that someone did it for us and yes. we're paying it forward. And yeah. um, be bold in your asks. The answer is always no if you never ask. Yeah, absolutely. It's so, so true. Well, awesome. Well, thank you again, Masha. I really knew this was going to be a great episode and uh, it absolutely is. Can't wait to post it. As a reminder to our listeners looking to up their cybersecurity skills, you can get one year free content from our cybersecurity training portal, ThreadX Academy with the promo code podcast. Uh, you can go to academy.threadx.com to learn more. Also, you can check out a recent episode with my colleague, Neil Wetzel, where we talk about what cybersecurity hire managers are looking for which has been one of our most listened to episodes so far until we get this episode up. I'm sure it's going to surpass 
And lastly, if you want to learn more about API and application security, please visit our website at threadx.com. Masha, thank you again so much for your time. Thank you so much, Gene. This was a pleasure. Thank you.